in fact we are continuing with that passage of scripture we started with i think i feel guided to continue with romans chapter 12 onwards so that will be the new series of sermons though the series unofficially uh, informally started a few weeks back we are actually linking this with chapter 12 verses 1 to 2 now what is the best worship allow me to be a little pseudo philosophical today morning what's the difference between a human being and an animal one of the re- the difference is human beings are able to worship animals may be able to adore dogs and cats may show loyalty but i don't think they are capable of worship though in some mythology religious mythology we have animals worshiping a god we haven't seen any other animals of the same species doing it on a daily basis we have monkey a great monkey worshiping a god we have a great rat worshiping a god we have a great cow glorified cow worshiping or in a posture of prayer before another idol but we don't have that's only examples that we have and that's creations of human imagination and myth but the basic difference is that god has put in our hearts in our minds a consciousness of god the divine something other than us who demand worship to whom we give worship now that's only only one person can do it only one people can do that and that is human beings but human beings are also different in their worship you know we all differ we all have our own religious traditions within a given religious traditions also there's a whole lot of difference but bible teaches us worship that is what we are looking at and we said that a few weeks back we started this series and we said this is laying our own lives at the altar of god lives led lies laid on the altar of god let's look at some of the misconceptions of worship many worships are based on certain misconceptions the first misconception is very clearly attested in psalm 50 verses 12 to 15 psalm 50 verses 12 to 15 now the people of israel ancient israel thought that god need their help they thought it is their obligation their duty to worship the lord why because god need their help but god responds to that attitude in psalm 50 verse 12 to 15 they said if i were hungry i would not tell you for the world and its fullness are mine do i eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of gods offer to god a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the most high and call upon me in the day of trouble i will deliver you and you shall glorify me god demands god says 
Now I have these whole laws and regulations about sacrifices and offerings. That is not because I am hungry. That is not because I am poor. I need your help. Please feed me. No. See, the whole world belongs to me and all the fullness of this world, all the animals on the thousand hills belongs to me. Now, all that I want is, I want to do something for you. I don't want you to do anything to me. He said, look, call upon me in the day of trouble. That's what God says. God says, don't try to come to help me. I am here to help you. That is the true worship. Call upon me in the days, in the day of trouble. Verse 15, I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. Now, misconceptions are that we think that going to church is our duty. And I'm glad, I'm, I'm in a sense, not glad really. Some of us think that is not our duty even. Okay, that's why the congregation is very, very thin today. Now, what I'm trying to say is that this is not going to help us. It is not going to help God. God says, you come and glorify me and call upon the time of trouble and I will deliver you. Worship is not actually trying to grease the hands of God. Worship can go off rail. You know, can, can derail in the second aspect of it. It is when it comes from a debased mind. A mind that is debased. A mind that is corrupt can also make worship corrupt. We have touched upon that some time back. What is the root of idolatry? What is the root of idolatry? The root of idolatry is simply a corrupt mind. A corrupt and a confused mind. A mind which cannot clearly distinguish between what is worth, what is worthless. That mind is what creates idolatry. A mind that is debased, a corrupt mind. Look at Romans chapter 1, verse 21 to 23. For though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or gave thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking. A corrupt mind, a corrupt mind. <coughs> and their foolish hearts, corrupt mind, were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Idolatry comes from a corrupt mind, a contaminated mind. Ah, whenever I come across this passage, I think of a story which my preacher friend told me this is the story of I don't know the new generation people even coming from Tamil Nadu may not remember one of their famous celebrated chief ministers and film star and his name is M.G. Ramachandran popularly known as M.G.R. he has acted in a number of religious films as various gods as Rama, Krishna, this and that and all that and he has acted in many, 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 many films. Uh, films with a, theo with a religious theme. So what happens is that the people, when they want to have the picture of their God, they often take the one of those pictures where he has acted in a particular role. 
and they will frame it and they will do puja before that image because that is been a trend those days so he has acted as one god or another god or this the god and that god so he'll cut out the cinema posters frame it and put it in their puja room so they do puja you know imagining that he is the god so one day <coughs> the real mgr went to a, a, a collector's house residence because he want to get some favor or had some business with the uh, district collector so he went there and when he went there the the person attending to this collector said it was early morning he said sir he is very busy he is very busy uh, you have to wait so he waited then again he tried to say can i see him he said no no you have to wait some more time then yes what is he doing he said he is doing his puja daily puja morning puja then only he will come and meet people so he said okay fine so he waited again so mgr the actor thought of just peeping through the window of the puja room and he peeped through the window and then he saw this man very pious godly district collector garment officer an ips or an is officer he is prostrating before a picture of his favorite god his chosen god and he is prostrating and getting up and falling back again on that before that framed picture of his god and mgr could not he he laughed his head off because the picture is the picture of one of the roles that he acted as the god this man is falling right in front of that and praying to this man but that is his own picture the real mgr is waiting for him outside the real man is waiting outside but when the real man is available out just waiting for you you are making him wait and falling before a picture that's what idolatry is idolatry is the real god has shown his his glory in the nature the real god has shown us the splendor all around us but what we do is we take one something out of it and a, a resemblance of a human being that's what it says or an animal or a rock and we put and the splendor we miss and we have the small resemblance of that splendor and that is idolatry idolatry in a much more wider sense is anything that we do anything that demands worship from us and we do that we obey or we 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 uh, we meet that demand ignoring the god who has the splendor and his glory manifested to us debased mind also leads to not only idolatry it is another form of idolatry definitely and that is the worship of our passions first romans chapter 1 the next two verse three verses 24 to 25 it leads us to the worship of our passions not god what are they what is this now let's read that first romans chapter 1 um 2425 therefore because of the debased mind because of the corruption of their mind and their imagination 
God gave them to impurity, dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. And because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature than the creator who is blessed forever. What happened? They were given over to their passions and dishonoring of their body. The body as God created is the most beautiful thing. You can't improve it. We can't. I'm not talking about makeup, against makeup or anything like that. We can only improve it to a certain limit. God has created, suppose, God has created me with a long Roman nose. I hated it. I wanted, I looked at people with little more reasonable size, the nose, and I thought I should, that will be a better idea. But that is not. I need to like my body. See, I was very tall. And it was the most inconvenient thing for a growing up boy to be. Because you are the tallest person in the class, you are noticed for every mischief that is did because your head was above other, other people's head. But this is the most beautiful body, the way God can make me. Then I tried to mutilate my body. Some people tattoo their body. Some people do this and this to their body. But it, God, word of God says it's a dishonoring of your own body. It's a dishonoring of your own body. Yeah, that is dishonoring oneself. Now I'm not talking about wearing lipstick or having an ornament. I'm not talking about clean, I mean, shaving in the morning. I'm not talking about that. A temptation to dishonor or mutilate our body. You know, it causes injury to our body. Harm to our body. Because we don't like our body is an idolatry. That's what I'm trying to say. That is an idolatry. It is a worship of our passions. The worship of our passions. But the book of Romans chapter 12 verses 2 talk about another worship. That is what we are thinking about. And that it says in my Bible version it says it is the spiritual worship. Romans chapter 12 1 verse 1 1 and 2 if you could throw that up there See, what is that? Let's, okay, let us surrender ourselves. I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Which is your spiritual worship. If you compare the English versions where that comes, the word spiritual worship comes, I haven't compared all the versions. Some versions will say it's an acceptable worship. And some versions will say it's a reasonable worship. But not always spiritual worship. Which is your reasonable worship. Now the Greek word, I am very careful in using Greek in, in pulpit. But I have to do that today. The word used there says, which is your logician worship. That's the word used. Logician. Logician. And the word, that is the word from which the word logical comes. English word logical. 
comes from this Greek word L O G I K E N logic and worship holy acceptable to god which is your logical worship it means reasonable worship it means rational worship what is the worship that makes sense that simple as that the spiritual worship he talks about is a worship that makes sense worship is not superstitious now when i ask friends those who belong to other faith traditions i ask them why are you doing that and they say i don't know why they say that's my faith so you have faith as a rash, rational basis no i just believe that is my faith nothing more than that but the divine the god the biblical worship is a reasonable worship we can it is not based on superstitions it is not based on somebody's assumptions it is not based on somebody's practices i know what i am doing that is what is called spiritual worship and look at all other elements in that how does that happen that is why in verse 2 it says for a spiritual worship for a reasonable worship not a superstitious worship not a copycat worship i copy because others are doing it so i copycat i am a copycat it is not a copycat worship it is not a superstitious worship it is not a worship just based on unjustifiable traditions and practices and rituals it is a reasonable worship how can we do a reasonable worship that is by the renewal of your mind christianity or the way the way of jesus is not a set of superstitions superstitions cannot be justified superstitions doesn't have there no place for mind in it no place for mind no place place for reason but christianity or the way of the lord way of jesus christ is not superstition a set of superstitions it is not a set of rituals that we follow it is rational can be justified it is there is the role of mind in it but what type of role mind in it a renewed mind because we already saw and i have repeated it many times in my previous sermons the problem there is a contrast between a renewed or transformed mind and a debased corrupt mind corrupt mind will lead us to superstitions but a renewed mind a transformed mind will lead us to a logical worship and that worship is acceptable what are we ex- giving to god in our spiritual worship we are laying our lives on the altar of god to live and to serve no to die to surrender and to serve now let me come to this now today's focus in the sermon the the the, the focus in today's sermon is 123 we are moving inch by inch to the next verse now <clears throat> it's all about our mind that's what i'm trying to say it's all about not just mind it's all about a transformed mind a sanctified mind a debased mind can make create confusion a debased or corrupt mind can lead us to idolatry a debased mind can lead us to 
worship of our body and our passions but here we have a transformed mind now the mind can have three states one is what is known as a manic state a manic mania that you are always on cloud 9 you know always on cloud 9 i am walking everywhere i go i think i am the smartest person and i pretend to be very happy though i am not see that sort of worship is most of the time not only worship lifestyle is a manic life romans chapter 12 verse 3 says that we should not oh, we should not we should not for by the i say you should not ought to think okay you not to think of yourself let me read from 3 the whole of 3 for by the grace given to me i say everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think <laughs> now do you have we have to have a estimate proper estimate but then some people are there in the church in rome who think that they are more than they are an exaggerated image of themselves i have come across a lot of people this translates into daily life when there are some people are extremely happy i know there is something wrong with them being a counselor for many years i know that a person who is extremely happy or pretend to be extremely happy has covering up something either knowingly or unknowingly there is something to cover up and then there are some people who have a very low estimate it's a very low estimate whenever you talk to them they say no i am useless i am worth nothing and this and that and all that i come across number of people they don't really understand their proper potential some people think that they have more potential than they really have you see and some people think they don't realize the potential they go through a loathing and then there is another state which is a swing between the two one day you are low one day you are high and the next moment you are up and down the swing mood swings i'm not going to that but a proper estimate of oneself is what the bible says nobody should think of himself or herself more highly than she or he ought to think it says don't have a low estimate don't have a high estimate have a proper estimate what's wrong with what is wrong with people i remember a, a good friend of mine very sincere honest person whom i worked with him maybe 18 20 years ago people thought he is out of his mind he was not and they when he was introduced to me he was working with me they said he is little nut crack type of the person but i observed him he is very efficient very committed very capable you give him a task he will do it but those who told me that he is little up in up here he is some problem i realized that they won't do things that was asked to do they won't perform the way they should perform and so i was confused who is out of mind and who is not out of mind 
So one day we had a conversation with this guy and he said, Sir, look, all of us are, have some problem with our mind. He said, all of us have some problem with our mind. The only difference between you and me is that I am little more, I have more problem with my mind than all of you have. So what he was trying to say is that in a sense, all of us have problem, but I have little more than what you have problem. That is a very good understanding, you know. You know, the problem is, you don't have to go to a mental hospital. This is manifested in our daily life. The wife gets hurt. You know why? Sometimes, or the other way around as well, the husband gets hurt. Because the wife has a big inflated ego, or the, the spouse has an inflated ego, which the other spouse is not willing to accept. Okay? So when that inflated ego is hurt, she feels hurt. The other way around as well. This comes in church life. Some pastors, they have a very inflated ego. So they want special chairs in the church and they want a special suit to be worn. They have all sort of things. You know? Some people like that. Some worship leaders have inflated ego. They have preachers, believers, with a high estimate of themselves. At the same time, in every church, we have people who have low estimate. They know how to sing, but they haven't recognized. They can preach, they don't have it. They don't want to say. They haven't recognized their potential. They say, I am useless, I am a worm, you know, I am I'm, I'm, I'm an insect. That sort of view they have. But, word of God says, no, there is a proper estimate. Verse 3, it says, a proper estimate is not to think more than one ought to think of himself or herself. Now what is the problem with this high estimate or a low estimate? The problem is a yardstick. How do you measure it? I asked one of my psychiatrist friends and we became very bad friends after that. I asked him this little mischievous question. I said, friend, look, if I have blood pressure, there is a way of measuring it. I have a sugar, blood sugar, there is a way of measuring that as well. But because it's objective, we have devices. But to say that I am mad and you are sane, I am insane and you are sane, it's a basic subjective experience. That is, you have all your questions and analytical mind and you ask me a few questions, ten questions, ask me to write a note or draw a picture and from that you make a judgment that I have something wrong with my mind. I said, fine. But what guarantee is there that your mind is also bad and you are judging my mind with your faulty mind? We have no measurement. So that day he became my very sour friend. But he is still practicing. That's fine. I don't care. No, but I have a sincere, honest question. But he has no answer. He never thought about that for the last 40 years of his practice. Psychiatry practice. He never thought of that some crack will ask him that question. He was not prepared for it with an answer. The problem is, what I was trying to say honestly, sincerely, I was asking, what is the yardstick? There is no yardstick. Now people who have go manic, they don't have a yardstick. 
when they go low they don't know that they have gone below the level when they go up they don't know they don't have gone beyond the level they don't have a yardstick now when we have verse 3 when it says nobody should think or to think more than highly he ought to think what is the yardstick in that two cases there is no yardstick in this case there is a yardstick a measuring rod and that is thing here see but to think with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith measure of faith that is the yardstick measure which is faith that is how we understand that measure of faith means the word used is the yardstick of faith god has given us the faith as a gift and that is why we believe in god and when we come to a proper understanding ourselves a sober judgment of ourselves we use our faith others don't have faith faith is what gives us a proper balance now that is why people who don't have faith are very topsy turvy the reason is they don't have a yardstick they measure themselves either with others compare them with self with others or they don't know where they stand it is like an old aunty i asked are you okay she said i'm fine yeah, she is quite old i mean the age where you will have developed blood pressure and blood sugar and all that so i asked you have blood sugar she said no you have uh, you have blood pressure no i'm perfectly all right paulson then i said when was the last time you took your blood pressure i never take blood pressure when was the last time you went to a lab and had your blood sugar tested never did it then i asked how do you know that you don't have blood pressure she never tested it and then she just believes it because she doesn't believe in yardsticks and the truth is that she has both beyond control now the problem is a mind which is not logical a mind which is not has a faith yardstick can go every now i'd like to conclude not right you're not yet but i'm coming to that there has when we put our life on the altar of god what happens is our mind get purified at the fire of god our mind gets transformed and when that happens we are able to see things the way we ought to see we are able to see or have an estimate the way the proper estimate ought to be we are called for a sober judgment what is sober judgment sensible judgment when we are not able to do that sober judgment a sensible judgment but when our judgment is based on movable or what you can say not fixed category uh, yardstick but yardstick change but for believers god has given faith as our yardstick maybe i may talk about it in uh, maybe later there are three realizations that happens in a mind first of all we realize 
our strengths that's amazing isn't it what's the problem with many people many people think that now i have heard people singing and they believe they can sing and it turns out to be very horrible experience for those who are watching them sing and hearing them sing because singing is not their gift simple as that i have heard people say they can run i had one friend who went for a 100 meter 100 feet 100 meter 100 sprint item as the first time she was running and she ran and we were all at the finishing line and another person who never had been in a sports event she tried to catch her embrace her as she was saying. you know what happens when you come with high speed with a tremendous momentum and if you happen to be little more flabby than you are ought to be and when a lean person try to catch you and both of them just fell and flat on the ground praise god there no break no no fractures now the issue is when a person says my strength is something else when that is actually a weakness that comes from a mind which has no sober judgment now we'll have a separate sermon on that the passage continues from 6 to 8 talks about seven gifts that god has given to his church that is not the point that is not what i want to focus now the other thing is when we have a sober judgment when we have faith as the measure our life then it comes to another realization that actually it brings out our belonging where do i belong our belonging our relationships let's look at chapter 12 verse 5 there are two truths that the word of god says in that particular passage so we can actually start from 4 though many we are one body in christ and individually members of one another can we start from verse 4 <clears throat> two things for as in one body we have many members and the members do not have all the same function we'll come to that passage later so we though many are one body in christ and individually members of each other another there are two belongings here that all of us belong to christ then we all belong to each other we are members of one another have you seen mutilated bodies sometimes they recover the the police they say we found the head of a woman and then say the the woman's hand was chopped off the hand was recovered from another place the head was recovered from another place her body was recovered from another place it's all mutilated and then see especially when there's an explosion a bomb explosion in a city in a crowded area they struggle to find out to whose hand body this hand belongs where should we put this head whose head is this because it's all completely fragmented pieces so they have to identify the bodies sometimes it becomes very difficult to identify sometimes they will say okay this man is also involved in it because we saw a hand which has a mole in the right this thing 
and that is what is in his passport but we don't have a head to match you see we don't have rest of the body to put there so when sometimes this sort of happens in army military often uh, uh, things in a, in the war between when they get only a hand of a person they may get a head of a person they may get a part of maybe a few fingers of the person and what the military does is they put the finger in it and fill the coffin with mud or rocks of his weight so that the family will think there is a body in it if there is no body there's only a finger in it there's only a head in it there's only a hand in it there's a feet in it they fill it with his weight so that the family they will never show the family it will be locked coffins now that's a miserable thing isn't it so what makes a body what makes a body is all the organs or members of the body they claim a oneness in something what is that the body of christ they all claim a oneness they know where they are from my father used to say don't eat beef in my city he said don't eat meat it's not safe i said why he said he was joking he said mutton he said mutton don't eat mutton i said why son when they run out of mutton in the shop in the hotel restaurant they will kill dogs which will come to the dustbin and they will chop it and put it in your curry so from that day on for so many years even now i for a while i don't eat mutton because my father's way of uh, presenting it so i always eat chicken because i know whether chicken is you know, from the shape you get this, uh, get to see the shape of the meat you are eating but in the case of mutton it's not predictable so my father said i have seen my own eyes so when i was a young man he always discouraged me eating mutton saying that there may be dog meat in there also i mean nowadays i know that dog meat is as good as mutton that's another thing <laughs> that's another reality you know so what i'm saying is that the parts realize where they belong to right many times the problem is the parts don't know where they belong to they think that they belong all over there is no sense of body now one body in christ then we are individually members of each other now the body the members realize two things that i belong to a body and that's the body of jesus christ then they say i am this left hand says i am the pair of the right hand then the eye say i am the pair of the right eye the nostrils say i belong to a nose i'm the left one and the right one and the mouth knows where it is fixed right that is a sense of belonging to each other i quickly would like to look at the two aspects what happens when we say i belong to christ when our lives are lived out in that manner first corinthians chapter 6:15 to 20 when i say that my body or i am the member of the body of jesus christ that demands tremendous commitment to holiness do you not know that your bed bodies are members of christ yes then 
If so, shall I then take the members of Christ and make the members of a prostitute? This is a situation of adultery and prostitution in the church in Corinth. There were people who are doing that and in the society there was nothing wrong. It was acceptable practice in Corinth and in the Greek world in general. So Paul says, can look here the holiness, morality comes from this fact. From which fact? That we belong to Christ together. We are the members of Christ's body. Or do you not know, verse 16, that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes a body with her, as it is written, and now move on. So verse 17, but he who is joined to the Lord, who is joined to the Lord, becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. The issue here I would like to highlight is not sexual immorality. I'm, what I am trying to highlight is that sense that comes to us, the consciousness that don't to us, that if I am, uh, my mind is transformed, I realize that where myself belong to. When the mind is transformed, then it tells us where I belong to. Do I belong to Christ? Yes, if I belong to Christ, that demands that I should not belong to anyone else. That's it. If I belong to Christ, that means I don't belong to anyone else. That is what the logical worship is. A second aspect. We are members each, to each other. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. Ephesians chapter 4, 25. We belong to each other. Look at that verse. Ephesians 4, 25 says, Therefore, Having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. We are members of one another. We have to speak what? Truth to each other. Think of your body. When your eyes tells you, there is nothing, no hindrance, nothing wrong there. You can just walk through the glass. You can't see anything. The reason why we partially made that glass like that is that nobody should go and hit it. See, that's one reason is that otherwise people will think there is nothing there. They will just walk through the glass and hurt themselves. That is why we put that film so that it tells us that there is glass there. Suppose your eyes are so weak you can't see the distinction. And then that's an instance when your eye tells a lie to your feet. The eye lies to the feet. When eye lies to the feet, a person walks through the glass and hurts the body. Not only the feet, not only the eye. It may, in the accident, an innocent arm may be involved may get hurt. There's a very powerful truth in this passage. That is, when we transform our thinking, we realize where we belong to. This is where we have to speak truth in love. Many times, I'm learning a lot of things as a pastor, then I studied, learned in the seminary these days. 
when people ask me to pray for them i have found in a number of cases they don't tell me the real problem they tell me something that look like the problem then thanks for god's grace when i pray for that people i realize god tells me shows me that is not the problem that you should pray for there is some other problem and some of you may know that i have called people and said that is not your problem isn't it i feel in my prayer your problem is something else and then tearfully they have told me yes that is what the truth is the truth was hidden for some reason how can somebody pray for you when you or i present a twisted partial truth for some people is very difficult to tell truth truth comes i say they pay in installments they will never tell the truth in one one go it has to be probed and probed and probed there are two options tell something and whenever you speak something let it be truth otherwise exercise your right to silence but what problem happens in the church life is that when people for their own reasons for their own because of their state of their mind which is such a weak yardstick to measure themselves faith is no more used people tend to speak what is falsehood i have been going through a big problem in another level not in the church and people are discussing that problem and i said look the problem is simple the problem is that we are believing a lie the problem is nothing else don't point to fingers this here and there i'll tell you the problem can be located to set of lies that we are speaking to each other that is why the whole organization goes wrong the whole organization has problems why there may be one person in a crucial position who lies or put it this way very economical with truth this is what happens when we have a logical worship a logical worship which is our own body our own passions our own minds are put on the altar of god then god shows us either speak truth or keep quiet now cover up this is one typical example is a famous story of ananias and sapphira you know the story their name comes only once their name comes only once never again in acts the book of acts what was their problem you know the story people were selling their possessions and laying down at the feet of the disciples uh, apostles nowhere it says nowhere in that passage acts chapter 5 verses 1 to 11 nowhere in this passage it says that people sold their property and brought everything to the feet of apostles it was not a demand they were selling part of it giving part of it barnabas had a beautiful piece of land in cyprus what is now cyprus and that is definitely a greek island is a, i would like to go there and see that place but he sold often gave to the it's not entirety of what they sold it doesn't even imply that they sold everything that they had this is everything they had 
and put it everything before no it doesn't it does not whichever way it was it was not required to put everything before or at the feet of the apostles but ananias and sapphira had this smart idea there was nothing wrong with that smart idea too they sold their property and brought part of it before the apostles right and now what i was trying to say is that it was not a requirement but they all brought their property it was not required demanded i want to correct myself but they did it and ananias they agreed with each other to keep some for themselves and they pretended that they are bringing all of it and when they brought it peter asked him is this the price that you sold it for he said yes that was when he fell flat dropped dead literally then a few hours later his wife walked in and she he asked him peter asked her in verse 8 tell me whether you sold the land for so much and she said yes for so much it was a lie and she died she 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 she, she was slain dead now the problem here is very simple the problem is the bodies were lying to each other the members of the body were lying to each other the members of the body were lying to each other i was talking to a muslim friend and his guy was challenging me or motivating me and he said we can live he was not talking about islam he was talk telling me friend there's a way of living honestly very honestly we don't have to lie i said what is your way he said i don't have to lie i can say i don't want to tell you that i cannot tell you that so he he gave me a lot of options he said this is the way we do it i said that's wonderful see let's remember let's get out of that frame of mind that to escape from a situation we have to lie many of us take lies as the resort to get out of a situation we don't have to we don't have to do that we can still be honest and safe we can be safe and honest we can the word of god says yes but what happens is in even in a prayer situation even in a church life even when we seek help we don't tell the truth the whole truth we keep some truth with us and that becomes an unacceptable worship to god that doesn't mean that you should not have secrets everybody should have his or her secrets but there is no compromise on being honest to each other in whatever we can open up i have to struggle with many people here and in the in the organization where i work and in the world i live and people tend not to speak the truth that is the work of the devil but a life that is laid at the altar loves speaking truth that comes out of a transformed mind a mind that is at the altar of god a mind that is renewed but when we don't when we don't 
then we say debased corrupt mind and it leads to worship of passions and the idolatry today morning yesterday night onwards we were singing a song sheila and me we were learning a song this is we just like the song and we started singing it uh, some new song and it says there's a roof roof up above me there is food on the table you know that's the sadas how the country the um, southern gospel song goes and um, then it goes to say i have shoes on my feet and i have a good place to sleep and we sang that song many many times a beautiful song and maybe next sunday we'll sing that in the church so it says there's a roof up above me there is food on the table and i have shoes to shoes on my feet and all that you may know the song thank you lord for blessing me that's your blessings upon me that is the name of the song it's a old southern song today morning also we sang in our prayer we really loved that song then i was praying i said this is shoes on my feet there's a roof above my head then i said lord actually i have two roofs on my over my head you know it was the work of the spirit you know i have two roofs one is the faculty quarter i live and why have my own house back in kerala so i said honestly speaking lord this song is not true i have two roofs then we came to this line there is food on the table and then i said now i was joking not joking i said lord there is lot of food on the table and which we cannot finish you see we waste a lot of food definitely you see that is honest then i said i have shoes on my feet the other day i was telling sheila please clean that closet because i can't find my shoe because there's lot of shoes in the closet and my bike comes and cleans it up and she doesn't know which i wear which i don't wear which i have I mean are not using not only my my wives and my children's shoes are also there see they are not living with us so i said clean it up but honestly the truth is i have more than one shoe to wear i have more than i have food on the table more than what i can eat and even my neighbors cannot eat sometimes you know even if i give to them i have clothes to wear i have more than one roof over my head but still we lie we pretend as if we are nothing right that is not a logical worship that is not from a transformed mind a mind that melts all that is unholy is melted away and what is pure and acceptable remains life laid at the altar challenges every day speak truth speak truth to each other and keep yourself holy because we belong to Christ may god bless us amen amen